Welcome to Deepen with Pastor Joby Martin. The Church of 1122 is a movement for all people to discover and deepen a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're praying this message helps you deepen your relationship with Him. Now let's dive in. Hey, welcome everybody to the Deepen Podcast. Um, excited to dive in tonight. We have a another very special episode for you all who are watching and listening. Um, my name is Jonathan Vicky. I'm joined by Pastor Britt and uh, some friends here. We have Jen Wright and Kerrigan Cannon. If you were here for the service, uh, you saw Jen and Kerrigan share their story in the bumper every week. Uh, right before the sermon, we, we typically tell a story from somebody in our church, something that God's doing. And, uh, and so these ladies are joining us for our conversation. So welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Uh, would you just take a minute and tell, in case maybe somebody didn't see that or they don't know, they would like to know more about you. You know, share a little bit about yourselves, like how long have you been here at the church and what do you do? And and uh, then maybe a little preview of, of the conversation that we saw tonight. Okay. I'm, I'm Jen Wright. I've been with 1122 since almost the beginning, December mm. um, of 2012. And I got to meet Kerrigan in the summer of um, 2013 when um, the Lord called me into kid, the kid world. Okay. And so in the four-year-old classroom, I got to see Kerrigan and she was 13 at the time. About, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we, we served together for Quite a, quite a while until about six years, I think it was, yep. and then you went away to college, and uh, then she came back, and uh, the kids got older. The kids that we were serving with got older, and it was time to go to middle school. And so um, I, we, we, I promoted with them, and then I asked Kerrigan if she'd join me, and uh, again, and serve with me again. So we're serving with the six-year-old, sixth-grade mm. girls in middle school. Great. And you're, you're a counselor. As yes, a, I'm a psychologist, a developmental psychologist and Christian counselor. Wonderful. Yes. Thank you for what you do. Thank you. We were just talking today in, in a meeting about what a, what a time of need Ooh. we are in. I mean, it's probably been that way for longer than just now, but I, I feel it now a lot. Yes, yeah, since COVID, yes. for sure. Epidemic of anxiety mm. and depression. Yes. We're going to get into that a little bit, but mm-hmm. Kerrigan, tell us about yourself. Yeah, so I'm Kerrigan. Um, I also have been around uh, since the beginning. I went to Beach Church. Uh, That's where I started as a sixth grader. Went on my first uh, mission trip to Albany. And so when 1122 launched, I did not want to leave Beach, actually. I had just made all the friends. And so (laughs) I was talked into uh, some friends to go to 1122. And so I did kind of launch with it and got baptized really early. We were, I think, the first group baptized, me and my friend, the first couple students. So that was really cool in the January of 2013. And mm-hmm. stayed in the youth group, kind of grew up here. And then, like you said, went off to college, go Gators, <laughs> and came back. And I'm so happy to be back. That's awesome. And you serve here at the church? Are you an intern here at the church? I'm Serving an apprentice here, here apprentice? at the church. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Great. serve with Miss Jen with the sixth grade girls. Right on. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we talk sometimes about how we, you know, things move fast around eleven twenty two. So it feels like about a hundred years ago the church started. You know, <laughs> but it was really only ten years ago. Uh, but I don't know of many people who have grown up or been here the whole time. You know, that are basically they grew up in the church. You know, so it's great, great to have you. Um, all right, so the y'all's story of how how long you've known each other. And the discipleship focus in your relationship was 
very appropriate to the the content of the of the text that we're we're in. Uh, Pastor Britt, tell us a little bit about the connection of disciple making, especially intergenerational disciple making, to the text that we're in, which was Philippians two, the end of Philippians two. Yeah, the uh, in the if you saw the video, and if you didn't, we'll reference it many times mm-hmm. uh, throughout our conversation. So please check it out. The youngest of the ladies in the video to give testimony other than uh, Miss Jen and Kerrigan was my oldest daughter, Annie Catherine, who Mm -hmm. is being discipled by both of them. Mm -hmm. And very grateful for that. And so this is a real treat to be able to sit and talk about this with you guys. And your ministries and influence have had profound impact in our home. Mm -hmm. And my wife and I prayed and pray Mm -hmm. that other folks will join us and the significant relationships will come in the lives of our children. Mm-hmm. Um, and you guys are that. You're an answer to prayer mm-hmm. in Annie Catherine's life. And so praise God for that. And um, Abigail, my younger one, is starting to have some of those budding relationships. And I'm, man, look, you know, I'm a snot and mess up there on stage after watching the video. And <laughs> and we may talk about this. I wasn't supposed to preach tonight. It was one of those old Joby's a little under the weather and... Um, asked me this morning to to jump in, and I'm always happy to do so. And and um, but to be up there preaching on the night where we're playing the testimony about, <laughs> I'm just some mess, you know, just a puddle. But <clears throat> you know, it's 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 cool on one hand because it's like, man, praise God, like who who could have who could plan this kind of thing? No, nobody but God, right? Mm-hmm. right? And then on the other hand, it's kind of scary a little bit when it's like your daughter is on sharing testimony and God's using her and she's 12 and you're like, I don't know, it's kind of psychologically weird for dad a little bit because it's like I'm part of me's buckling in. Like I'm, we're heading into the teenage years yes. and God knows I don't want it to be like, oh, well, you know, they must have it figured out. Lord knows <laughs> we don't. It's because of people like Miss Jen and like mm-hmm. Kerrigan mm-hmm. that I have hope that we're not just going to survive the teenage years, but we're going to thrive through it in Jesus' name. In Jesus um name. But it's a thing, man, right? You know, it's like you want your kids to flourish in every every part of life. Um, you know, but I, I just think that the inner Miss Jen said it in the video, she said, currently I'm a part of five generations of disciples being made. Her mom mm-hmm. to her, her to Kerrigan, Kerrigan to Anna Catherine, and now Anna Catherine serves in special needs every weekend. And of all the things in her life that she's doing, like swimming and school and clubs and all the stuff, like the thing that she's just like can't miss is serving in, in special needs. Like God's just mm. to this point grabbed her heart in a, in a unique way. And uh, and so and our team has created an opportunity for her to be able to do that in a helpful way. So it's just cool to see five generations of disciple making. And we see that in the text, you know, in Philippians 2, coming off the like hymn of Christ mm-hmm. and this like some of the most doctrinal and practical, just beautiful. Some of the, I mean, 11 through what, 18, you know, are some of the most beautiful words that Paul mm-hmm. ever wrote, mm-hmm. you know. And then on the right after that, he gets into this like relational commendation mm-hmm. for his brothers, Timothy and Epaphroditus. And I didn't really get into this. I couldn't figure out how to get into this in the text tonight. But in my mind and in my heart, look, I'm going to read it to you. Uh, In my mind and in my heart, the whole time, I'm just thinking about Pastor Joby. Hmm. Nobody, look, I've been discipled by a lot of people over the years. 
lucky. I'm one of the lucky few. Uh, for sure, and I know that. Um, but I don't know that at this point in my life I could say anybody's been more intentional or effective in discipling me than Pastor Joby has. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's through friendship, through brotherhood, through... Mm-hmm. But it's a weird... Mm-hmm. I don't want to call it weird, but it's to me, it's very much a like... Um, I'm not Timothy as much as I think as highly of him as I do of the Apostle Paul. But there's that kind of like paternal yet brotherhood relationship that I feel. It's kind of supernatural. It's kind of beyond. Like when you say weird, it's not that it's weird. It's just not natural. It's not, it's supernatural. Well, it's funny. I texted him the other day, like I was in a meeting and there was some constructive feedback being offered. Uh, Not really not critical, just truly constructive feedback being offered about someone's on stage speaking ability. Mm Mm-hmm. And some areas for like improvement or growth or whatever, uh, which I always think is so funny because it's like you don't you don't stand in front of people and hold a microphone, and then you go you gonna get down on the threshing floor of your own existence real quick. <laughs> That's right. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. And uh, you can either fake it or you can get down there and do the work. You know. And um, anyway, I text Joby. I said I was in a meeting where some people were offering constructive comments on a staff member speaking on stage, and I asked the question in the meeting. Does anybody believe in him and does he know it? Mm. Not as anybody coaching him, not as any, because that's what Pastor Joby's done with me. Mm-hmm. He just believed in me mm-hmm. and I knew it. Mm-hmm. And if I were him, I'd have punted on me in every way as a leader, as a pastor, as a God knows, as a preacher. But he didn't, man. He's hung with me and his belief in me and his unwavering unwavering confidence in the spirit of God's work in my life has broke some stuff open in my guts, man. Mm-hmm. I just can't explain it. Mm-hmm. And it is the thing short of the spirit of God. And, and, and it is the thing that I can point to, to say, that's the thing that God's used in my life to break open my guts mm. for the next season of ministry, you know? And so mm-hmm. I commend him, you know, he's yeah. not here and I'm, I always miss him, but I just commend his disciple making effort. And mm-hmm. when we were actually talking, kind of scrambling last minute, it was like, cool, let's bring in Miss Jen and Kerrigan and have this great conversation. We were like, well, we could also bring in all these other folks that have been discipled by Joby over the years and just talk about, mm-hmm. so we were kicking around ideas, but so it's not just me, but mm-hmm. anyway, I think that is the spirit of what Paul's doing here with Epaphroditus and Timothy is it's not just like information dissemination. Mm-hmm. It's like these relationships have changed me and my relationship with them by the power of the gospel has changed them. Mm-hmm. And it's worth talking about. Mm-hmm. That's what yes. I think is going on here. Yes. One of the things I think about, uh, what I, think, I, I think a lot about people development, which is similar, not the same as discipleship, it's similar, it's related. But to develop somebody, you have to believe more for them than they believe for themselves. Absolutely. And we can, I can look back in my life at, at many people who would say, no, no, I, you know, they saw something in me that they believed that that was true. And they would tell me like, Hey, they would sort of call me to something, something higher. Um, and I think, I think discipleship is a lot, a lot like that. And, uh, you mentioned Jen, the five generations yeah. t- tell us a little bit about, some of the blessings of seeing all of, of that, you know, that breadth of, of God working, you know, what is that like? That's probably a pretty rare experience 
for, for folks to be able to see that. Yeah, it's just, it's mind-blowing. And, and you talked a lot in the sermon about receiving God's love. And that's been a lifelong journey for me. Yeah. Whew. And growing up as a pastor's daughter myself, um, it's a blessing to get to work with Anna Catherine because I prayed for her before she even was um, in, in my class because I have a heart for preacher's kids because mm. it's not easy to sacrifice your dad mm-hmm. um, for something that you don't quite fully understand yet. Yeah. But, um, but, but it's just been an amazing journey to be able to like really receive God's love and see not only how much he loves me, but loves each person in that five mm. you know, generation thing. I mean, I, you know, my, my mom's a Jesus lover because he rescued her and my dad. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's um, amazing to see, you know, to, to feel that love pour from her, but then also get to, to ask God, okay, so, you know, how do you see Kerrigan? You know, and mm. and he just gives me a double portion of his love for Kerrigan, right? Mm. Like so, when I see her, it's easy to affirm her because I'm seeing all of this great stuff, mm. right? And and the same thing with Anna Catherine. You know, I mean, amazing warrior. I mean, you talked about this being a battleship training. Whoo, fire! You know, she is she is definitely um, just got this just love within her for the mm. Lord and this growing desire to share that and just seeing her light up with those special needs kids. You know, mm. I mean, there is there is no greater joy than to get to see those that, that, that you've gotten to pour into, pour into others, to mm. see Anna Catherine light up when she sees Kerrigan walk up and to see how like Anna Catherine's hanging on your every word, you know, and ready to receive from you. And then to see and hear Anna Catherine's testimony with these special needs kids. And there's just no greater blessing. Mm. For those listening, that's some disciple making gold right there. Pray that God would show you his heart for the person you want to disciple, you know, because we don't, we don't pour out to other people something that we just have, like, oh, I just have this thing. Let me just pour it out for No, no, God pours into us as we have received, so also we give. And that's beautiful. I mean, the the illustration comes to mind, and it, it might take a minute to get there, but it's just imagine you could get some sort of like inoculation against a disease that was passed on genetically. So, mm-hmm. uh, so you get this, somehow you get this thing and now you're safe and you see other people being affected by some kind of sickness and you're not and then these other generations you see them just walking in this protected safety uh it only strengthens your belief and like wow that's effective that's powerful and i think the gospel is like that when we see it at work in our own lives and then we pass it on then we see it at work in somebody else's life too that's one of the beautiful things about how god's made this thing to be you just it's almost like you praise the glory of his grace in the gospel because you look at it and you say, It's effective. It's effective. <laughs> it's effective. It like it's working for them. It's working for them. It's working for them. It's changing and transforming them, you know, and they're walking around with a different kind of safety, if you will, mm. um, and protection. Yes. I love that because you know, tonight we started out by talking about Paul saying, I want to send Timothy to mm-hmm. you. And it just immediately strikes the images of like Paul's missionary journeys right. and like for all the CEO and all for the, all the leaders and executives in our in our church, the boss folk, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. Paul's the scale guy. And Pastor Joby and I talk about this sometimes. It's like, you know, all the apostles are in Jerusalem. They're focused on, 
you know, eventually they scattered, but they're yeah. very much focused on the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. And Paul's like, cool, man. We, these are my brothers. I want them to be safe. He writes in Romans just mm-hmm. about like, I want nothing. I would be accursed for them. Mm-hmm. So he loves the Jewish people. Yeah. I mean, Paul's saying, I will go to hell so that they can go to heaven. Mm-hmm. That's some love right there. That's right. And, uh, but Paul's like, cool, man. Y'all focus on the nation of Israel. I'll take the rest of the world. <laughs> and then he puts this plan into place and starts mapping intentionality across all these major city centers mm-hmm. into what was the Roman Empire at the time, mm-hmm. which was one and a half million kilometers wide. It was the known world. Mm-hmm. And, and so he scales the church out to where it can just continue to 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 replicate and to it wasn't even a multiplication it was like exponential mm-hmm. wildfire wildfire um, especially over a couple of hundred years you know and and um, and so we start by talking about just that idea on whether on a macro level like Paul was thinking about a lot and we think about a lot as believers and as leaders in the church but also on a micro level down to the individual is that discipleship doesn't just happen. Mm. It takes a plan. Yeah. Mm. It is the result of intentional effort and intentional mm. relationship. I didn't get mm. into that a ton. Yeah. But you're talking about caring. And one of the things, like Anna Catherine was at a swim mm. meet. This is what intentional relationship mm. does. You talk about Kerrigan has a voice in Anna Catherine's life. Well, she's earned it. Mm-hmm. You know, it. She like Anna Catherine was at a swim meet on the other side of the city. It was like 150 degrees outside. It's Florida. <laughs> We're just getting pounded by f- gnats. I'm her dad, and I'm like, this is the worst. I don't want to be here. You know, if you've ever been in a swim meet, you're there all day, you know, or there for many, 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 many hours. There's no resources. Right. We're, we're, you know, thirsting to death in the desert. <laughs> And uh, it's like being surrounded by water and you can't drink any of it. You know what I mean? And uh, Kerrigan rolls in with a friend just to see Anna Catherine swim. Mm -hmm. Like that day in her meet, she like, you know, she sets her own like personal best records or whatever. She don't even think about it. What she noticed was Kerrigan came. Mm -hmm. Right? And there's like God's like giving Kerrigan favor in Anna Catherine's heart and mind Mm -hmm. that hopefully, you know, will continue to produce fruit. I'm standing in the lobby Wednesday night after students which we have some of the best student leaders and we have some of the best student ministers. And it's not just happening. Mm-hmm. There's a plan. Mm-hmm. We have 600 students coming on campus this weekend mm-hmm. for a camp type experience. And one of the things we say all the time that went wrong with adult discipleship is that adults quit going to camp. Mm-hmm. And what we mean by camp is like spiritually intentional, spiritually intense environments mm-hmm. where you take yourself out of the normal of your life mm-hmm. and you drop yourself in this spiritually mm-hmm. intense experience knowing that God's going to meet you there. It's like saturated. We do it every 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 year. Um, and so that's going on this weekend. It takes an immense amount of planning, mm. an immense amount of effort, an immense amount of strategy, an immense amount of, more importantly, prayer, mm. an immense amount of study of God's Word, training, mm. equipping of the saints. And But but on, on a macro and on a micro, I'm standing in students Wednesday night. I'm here to pick up. Uh, her from students and one of the other leaders, his name's Dan. Mm. And Dan's awesome. He is. And the boys love Dan. And uh, and there's this boy uh, that was in Dan's group that came up and was like, hey, my game tomorrow is at X time. You could just see it in Dan's face that he knew he had like a schedule conflict. 
And he was just like, I'm going to do everything I can to be there. Um, but just know, man, I'm, I'm for you. And even if I don't make it, I, I want to hear how it goes. Mm -hmm. And you could tell in that little boy's face, like that kid values Dan's voice in his life so much mm -hmm. that he's going to go out of his way to say, hey, my game is at X time. Mm -hmm. And I, what, what he's saying in a middle school boy way is, I want you to be there because you matter to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. you have, I can tell that you have genuine concern mm -hmm. for my welfare, as Paul writes yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. And man, that's that's the work God does in our guts. Yeah. That when we get to like exchange that with one another by God's grace, dude, there's it's, it is effective. It just is. So thanks for showing up at the swim meet. Wow. Absolutely, it matters. My pleasure. I was having lunch today with a friend, and we were talking about this about like the relational part of disciple making, and you have to build relationship in disciple making. Oh, for sure. But you also, but it's also more than just building relationship, 100%. you know, it's like, it's not just hanging out with your friends or hanging out with some people you don't know yet and being like, Oh, let's just have some pizza, you know, like, and then I'm just some, suddenly I'm discipling you. So how have y'all talked to us a little bit about how you've balanced the building relationship to the intentionality? Cause I think that's, that would be instructive for some, some people listening. Kerrigan, what do you have on that? Yeah, so I actually just read a, some of a book about this, so it's a great question. Um, so I think a, a lot of it, especially with like millennials and Gen Zs, especially, that's kind of where we're at. So I'll speak to that. Um, a lot of what they were talking about is you want to be a friend first. Mm -hmm. And so there's no agenda, really, I think mm -hmm. is the point with being a friend is what they're trying to communicate. Like you don't have an end goal. The point is just to love this person, have conversation, really be interested in their life, especially mm. with middle schoolers. Mm. They just want to know that you care. Mm. And so if they tell you something, ask more questions. Just keep asking questions because they just want to know that you care. And so then you see that that friendship kind of moves into more of like a mentor relationship. Mm. And so you kind of gain the trust with this person to speak mm. into their life, to have a little bit um, more say there. Mm -hmm. And then it goes to more pastor. And so that's where you get to the spiritual stuff. And yeah. so that's when you've kind of earned the right to, to talk about accountability, to talk about sin, to talk about what's your next steps? Like, where are you being obedient to the Lord mm. in those kinds of mm. things? And so I think it's progressive and it does, it's not always linear. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think generally that's probably the stages. Mm. Do you find yourself holding back some of those? Like, you're like, I'm not there yet, but I have a bunch of stuff I really want to say, but I got to wait, you know? Oh, like, yes, absolutely. <laughs> There's a big difference in going into any relationship, but primarily a disciple-making relationship with an agenda of I want this thing from you mm. so that we can feel like we accomplished X, Y, or Z goal. Mm. You know what I mean? Like... It can be a little bit of a workspace transaction, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. But then there's like there's a difference in having an agenda and then doing things on purpose. Mm -hmm. And the purposefulness of I don't want anything from you so that we can hit our goals or targets, but what I do want is something for you. Yes. Mm -hmm. I want for you to take next steps of obedience. I want for you not to be stuck. I want for you to mature in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And so like when you said they, they're saying don't have an agenda, like I, I, I know what I, what I think that means, meaning it's not a workspace transaction of me getting out of you something. It's, it's me in a Christ-filled, purposeful way wanting something for you as you 
abide and embrace mm-hmm. God's plan for your life through mm-hmm. Jesus. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very much so. And I think it's about consistency too. Mm-hmm. You know, we're farmers. It's, it's, it's the long haul. And it's just been so incredible to see the lights finally go off in these sixth grade girls after talking about these spiritual things and, and relational things, but also spiritual things, you know, all through elementary school. Mm. And one of them at, at our gr- table last night was saying, you know, I, or maybe it was Sunday, I can't remember, but, but she, she said, she was said, you know, Miss Jen, I really didn't get it when you were saying all these things, you know, for a long time, but I finally got it this year. And it was mm. right during Saturated that she surrendered her heart to Jesus mm. and got baptized. And we screamed our faces off because we mm. were so excited. But but it's the consistency, you know, the, mm. them knowing that you're always going to be there, you know, yeah. that you're going to show up for them no matter what, and that you're going to listen and care about them. You know, care about what their heart mm. is needing in that moment. Mm. Yeah, I just, <clears throat> I feel like I am not naturally good at the, I, I want so bad to be good at these things. I feel like I've been more, uh, <clears throat> I've always thought of myself as more of an intro, introverted person, you know? And uh, I don't know that I naturally have the gift of evangelism. I mean, Pastor Joby could walk into a gas station <laughs> and then some random person he meets, he's going to be talking to them about the Lord at some point, just because it just comes off of them. He just got this gift, you know, and I'm just sort of just like, well, that guy's weird over there. Like, I'm just get out of here, you know? <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so, but this, this is an area I'm trying to grow in. So this whole idea of how do I, how do I have intentionality and try, uh, how do I have a, a goal in my mind to move in a direction, but also not try to use this person or not try to, make them sort of like a, a conquest of like, oh, I have to at least get to the point where I can say this and that spiritual thing to them or invite them to church, you know. Um, <clears throat> it's really hard. It can be hard, but I'm thankful that God's uh, kind to me on the on the journey. So we talked a little bit about Paul and, and his development of Timothy. He was pouring into Timothy. We know that Timothy had yeah, what would seem to be some issue with fear and anxiety and because when Paul writes to Timothy, he says, don't be... Don't be timid. He hasn't given you that spirit of timidity. Um, he hasn't given you a spirit of fear. And uh, when you were talking about those issues, you said uh, fear, anxiety, timidity, and self-doubt. And it not only struck me that we could all probably in some way identify with those as struggles, but that those things would be the things that keep us from discipling others or trying to disciple others, right? Like, So how many people listening are thinking, and I want to be a disciple who makes other disciples. But the thing that holds them back is their fear, their timidity, their anxiety, or their self-doubt. And so what would you say to somebody who feels like they don't have the thing, like, oh, I, I don't know a lot about the Bible, or I, I haven't been a Christian long enough to make a disciple. You know, what would you say to that that person? <laughs> If, if you have asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, you have the Holy Spirit in you, mm-hmm. and it is not about you. Mm-hmm. And he will give you the word in the moment. And and it is literally a breathing thing. We get to breathe mm-hmm. in his love and breathe it out. It, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's not supposed to be something that we force or do. Mm-hmm. We've received it, so we share it. And we, you know, we read, and then we talk about it. And so many people get so caught up in focusing on themselves. I mean, I do, too. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we all get really self-conscious and— you want to have the right answer. You know, what's the answer to this question? I mean, boy, you spend a little time with kids, they will ask some hard questions. But, you know, anybody, you know, I was 
yeah. but I, I was with a, a woman older than me today asking some really great theological questions. And, and, and it's so cool that sometimes you know the answer, sometimes you don't, but mm-hmm. it's not about that, right? Mm-hmm. It's about the journey together. Like there, mm-hmm. were th- there have been things that Kerrigan and I have kind of figured out together, you know, and it's, it's so cool when you can trust the Lord that he's the one that mm-hmm. does it, right? Mm-hmm. We, you know, we, we just keep on pointing to the word. This is our sword. This is the thing that we are founded on. These are the mm-hmm. treasures we dig for, you know, we mine for gold, we dig in it, and we share that process mm-hmm. with others, but it's not about something yeah. that we say. Yeah. Kerrigan, have you ever felt like less than equipped? Question one. Question two is, at what point did you from a young age, did you turn and say, I'm going to not just be the receiver of these things. I'm going to start being at an outpouring. So those are my two questions for you. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I still feel ill-equipped all the time. Uh I mean, our girls are like serious about the things of the Lord and I'm, I'm in seminary. So I feel like this pressure, that's probably not good of Mm -hmm. like, I should definitely know. And so there's been some times where I Mm -hmm. do, but most of the time I'm like, Oh, this is tough. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think something that you mentioned kind of hits on it and it's linking shields. And mm-hmm. so I don't have to carry that burden one because the Lord carries it, mm-hmm. but two, because Miss Jen's there. Mm-hmm. And so between the two of us, we both love the Lord, submit mm-hmm. to the Holy Spirit, are grounded mm-hmm. in the Bible. And so when you have those, like yeah. it, the Lord will do the thing. We yeah. just put our yes on the table right. and yeah. the Lord makes the fruit. And so, yeah. yes, those doubts are there and those fears are there, yeah. but when you're doing it together, it changes everything. That's another bless, uh, another blessing of the multi generational thing, right? Because we're supposed to not just be pouring into others, but have people pouring into us. So we can always be like, "Hey, I got a question. I don't really know the answer. What do you think?" You know, <laughs> to the person who's pouring into you. You know, what about the other one? What, what at what point do you remember it being like? All right, now it's my job to now take and go. Yeah, so I had um, some thoughts about that in college, right? And it, it kind of never really worked out. I like sort of got my feet with with discipling others. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was been super convicted. You preached a sermon, it was a while ago now, talking about being a conduit, not just like a consumer. Mm-hmm. And I'm just such a consumer. I sit and take notes, and but I only think about me. I don't think about how I can use this for someone else, mm-hmm. any of those things. And so the Lord kind of gave me an idea of like, oh, maybe I should get plugged in somewhere. I didn't think students, actually students wasn't even on my list. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe kids but not students. And so of course I'm with Miss Jen and she said the thing. And I was like, (laughs) I was just thinking about that. Like it has to be the Lord. Mm. And so I told her, I'm like, I don't even have to pray about it. The answer is yes, Mm -hmm. because it's my turn. I've had such good people discipling me. Mm -hmm. I mean, since I was 13 Mm -hmm. and I've never really discipled anyone else. Mm. And so that was it. Mm. God's always preparing us, you know? And uh, I love what you said because we, we actually already said it earlier, is that when you say, God, show me what you have for this person. You know, show me what you... What you see. Yeah, what do you see? And it it doesn't take a degree Mm -mm. to do that. You know, it doesn't take like a... degree can get in the way. (laughs) (laughs) Knowledge puffs up, (laughs) as I have heard uh, before. Um, Well, so we... Pastor Joby is really, really fond of saying that the opposite of... Um, faith is not doubt, but the opposite of faith is fear. So, Pastor Britt, how does faith help to eliminate or deal with our fear and anxiety and timidity? Yeah, it's, it's, he goes on to say some version of it's not about, it's not even just about having faith. 
It's about who your faith is in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And faith in Jesus Christ and the demonic spirit of fear at work against Jesus' church Mm. can't occupy the same place at the same time. Mm. And so Jesus is very literally the the overcomer. Mm-hmm. He's the fear defeater. Amen. And uh, even though in his sovereignty and, and God's plan, God still allows for spirits to work in this world against his church mm-hmm. and against his people, we know um, by faith and by fact that he will bind up all of those spirits and all of the presence of evil mm. and all of the, the presence of temptation. Mm. And he will cast it into the fiery pit mm-hmm. is, what, is what it says. And, and so it's not so much that we have faith in the idea of faith, right? Because mm-hmm. faith can sometimes say, well, I'm, I'm a person of faith. Mm-hmm. Well, the question is, who's your faith in? Not even what is it in? Who's it in? And if your faith is in Jesus Christ, then there are some things that are true about you. And one of those things is that you have been given the spirit of love, of power, and of Mm -hmm. self-control. This is the Holy Spirit of God. And you could just do a a Trinitarian deep dive into the person of the Holy Spirit and see very quickly that he is the source of power for living – as designed by God and given to God's church, that mm-hmm. that He is powerful, and and that He has been given to the church as a source of power and abundance mm-hmm. and flourishing and you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And in love, like we're talking about receiving and believing God's love, this is what the Holy Spirit is doing all day, every day in the life mm-hmm. of the believer is exalting Christ by reminding the church how loved, how safe, how secure, how purposed. They are in and through Jesus Christ. He exalts Christ all day, every day. And the way Christ has chosen that he would be exalted is that his kinsmen would know they're loved. Mm. Mm. And then self-control, like the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, Mm. singular fruit, by the way, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and what? Self-control. That these are all one fruit growing in the life of the believer. And that only happens by the work of the Spirit of God. Now, Mm -hmm. what's crazy about this is that it seemingly, in forward sight, happens unconscious to us almost. Mm -hmm. In hindsight, we look back and see, holy cow. Yes. Look at what God has done in my life over the last six months, over the last five Mm -hmm. years, over the last, right? Mm -hmm. The character, the the perseverance, the Mm -hmm. um, joy that that fruit is just growing and growing and growing. But in in any one given situation, any one given season, you're kind of like, is God doing anything in my life? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, Um, but it's in these, it's, it's in the ordinariness of life where God is always at work doing what I think is his best work is it's and and it's in the the subconscious reality of our maturity in Christ that is mostly passive on our part and active on the part of God. Um that said it's not totally passive. If you just are like whatever, 
you know, and you're not participating with the Spirit's work, then you're going to find yourself in a place you don't want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, that's It's just fascinating to me that the Spirit at work, the power of love and a sound mind, when you look back, it's undeniable. That's right. But sometimes when you still, though, even sometimes when I look forward, it's like, God, can I trust you? Mm-hmm. He's like, are you? <laughs> Let's go back to the cross here, old boy. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, no, 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 I know. But still, there's something in me. The the mm-hmm. spirit of fear gets in there, and yes. it's like, can mm-hmm. I trust you with this mm-hmm. next thing? And mm-hmm. and, um, and the answer is yes, you can trust him. And so, the your question was a good one on on faith. How does faith combat fear? Well, it's that Jesus has whipped fear, mm-hmm. and because he whipped it and has totally defeated it, mm-hmm. then f- fear really doesn't stand a chance. That's right. And f- fear is not first a feeling. You know, For sure. Being scared is a feeling, you know, and that's a real thing that happens in your brain that thinks you're in danger, you know, so here's a chemical to maybe help you take it serious. Uh, but that's what, that's not what he's talking about when he talks about the spirit of fear. He's not talking about that. He's talking about something that's behind that. And faith is the same. Faith's not a feeling. Faith is the acted out trust in who Jesus is and what he's done. And so, especially when you think about the spirit of fear over and against the spirit of God, no contest. You know, and maybe think when you're talking, maybe think of first John, it says, uh, chapter three, uh, this is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ and love one another, just as he commanded us, whoever keeps his commands abides in God and God in him. And by this, we know that he abides in us. By the Spirit He's given us. Amen. Um, you mentioned something to this effect uh, that trust and obedience are really the same, and and you talked also that obedience is really our our joy. You know, there's not like mm-hmm. obedience is not a means to get joy, like as a result, or like a prize. Mm-hmm. Um, so unpack that a little bit more. Like, how is how is because. Ob- Obedience might have a negative connotation for a lot of folks, right? Mm-hmm. Because as a kid, especially, it's just like, no, you need to obey. What? Yeah. I, and and the kids just like, I don't want to, but I I guess I will because I'm being forced, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> I, I don't want to have punishment again. First John says fear has to do with punishment, and so how do we make that shift to where obedience become becomes joy, not like that? I guess I have to just obey God, right? Yeah, I talked I talked a little bit about it tonight and man I could just probably write a book on it one day, but it's the three seasons of motivation mm-hmm. and maturity that I talked about that God has revealed to me in hindsight. Mm-hmm. And I'm still, man, figuring it out, but it's like there's three key words. One is duty, one is delight, and one is design. And each mm-hmm. one of these words represent a different season of mo- my motivation in obeying Christ. Mm-hmm. And it's not really a good, better, best, but it's kind of like a. I don't know that one layers because the season when I was very dutiful, I was carrying around a lot of hurt, a lot of pain. Really, what broke it all open was my dad dying. Mm-hmm. And I don't even have time to get into all that tonight. God knows we've been there forever, but. Um, I thought we were going to get another 67 minute or something like that. Yeah, so I, go, Here we I go. do have Here the longest and the shortest ever. <laughs> so just confession, Pastor Joby, I love you. I did go seven minutes long tonight. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> seven minutes long for me, but still nine to 10 minutes shorter than, than he ever does. And so uh, uh, that said, 
He has he can be so good. He can just hold you for like an hour by the gift that God's given him. It's really amazing. Yeah. Anyway, so the duty delight design. Duty obedient in the duty phase when you're just like numb in your guts and you're like doing things out of like religion. Yeah. Or you're doing things out of just like doing the right thing because you know it's the right thing and that's what you're just trying to do the right thing to keep some kind of piece of like your self-conscious, I don't know, stable? I don't know what the word is. And um, obedience is a burden when you're living in that season. It feels like a weight. And you, what you feel like is you feel like God wants something from you. And you're like, I gotta, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go... You know, or I'm going to be there, or you know, I mean, I'll listen, or I'll give, or whatever. It's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. But it's, man, it's joyless. Right. It's ritualistic. It's obligatory. It's just not, there's no power in it. Mm. And um, and then you move the God, for me anyway, he kind of broke that stuff loose and started doing the work down beneath my guts. And it's all, again, it's all on a motivation on a desired level. Mm. And I can, with the best of them, fake it on the surface when my motivations and desires are completely bankrupt. Mm-hmm. It's scary, actually. Mm-hmm. We should all be scared of our capacity to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've grown a healthy, I don't know if scared is the right word, but a healthy appreciation for my ability to be mm-hmm. inauthentic mm-hmm. well. Yeah. That's we terrifying. Deceive. We can deceive ourselves pretty For pretty sure. Good. The art of self-deception. Mm-hmm. And um, so moving into delight, and some of this was like my dad dying. Some of this was my wife, man, the best, very graciously coming to me and just saying, look, you're really joyless. Mm-hmm. When you come home, the temperature does not go down. It goes up. Mm-hmm. You're intense. You're a weight on our kids, you know? Like, you're right. And she wasn't being mean about it. She was being help, really, truly helpful. And mm-hmm. God, the Holy Spirit spoke through her. And it's just, I couldn't even defend myself. Mm-hmm. And I've told this story to our church before, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and um, but then God used all those things to start leading me into the, the delight season, mm-hmm. which was like, like I get I, I get to obey God. I get to, to work on things He cares about. I get mm-hmm. to love my wife. I get to care for my children. These are all gifts. It's a gift. Mm-hmm. It moves from being a burden to being a gift. Yeah. But obedience is a gift. Mm-hmm. And then there's even maturing beyond that to design, mm-hmm. which is, this is why I'm alive. Mm-hmm. Like, this is actually the abundant life, is saying yes to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Cost? Like what Pastor HB said, he was like, sacrifice? Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. This is what I'm on the planet for. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. to be known by him, is to be loved yeah. by him, and is to be, is for that thing to express itself in and through my life. For mm-hmm. me, for some people, they could hear that and be like, Brit, what's wrong with you? Like, yeah, mm-hmm. yes, you're made for God. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, for me, it was a journey. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the journey was the like, and it's like I talked about realizing that I wasn't primarily just a, a tool to be used, mm-hmm. but that I was a son that's loved mm-hmm. and sonship. And I think well, I think I said it in the sermon, but the, what happens is you begin to confuse your activity and your identity. Mm-hmm. Instead, the gospel prescription is identity precedes activity. Mm-hmm. The religion prescription is re- activity gives you identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I had that all jacked up. When you get to the design season, I think that is when you get into the truly loving yourself because of 
the love of God for you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like Bernard of Clairvaux is like the love of self for the sake of God, you know, because of like, because he made you to do the thing that gives you so much joy, you can love self. And the love of self is actually a love of God mm-hmm. and weird. It's weird. Uh, you love what, what, what he made. Yes. Yeah, you love what he made. You yeah. love what he's called you for. He, mm-hmm. You love his purpose and plan in your life. Yeah. You love yeah. the fingerprint of God on you, unique yeah. to you. Like, yeah. it's not self-obsession. It's mm-hmm. like appreciation of God's workmanship. Mm-hmm. You are his workmanship, mm-hmm. created for good works in Christ Jesus from before <laughs> yes. the world began, right? Yeah. And so... It's like you would enjoy any good gift. Like, you can enjoy mm-hmm. yourself like you enjoy a good meal. Like, not as an end in itself, but like as a telegraph to to worship experience with God. Uh, Jen, a question for you though, like as it's related to duty, has there been a season in your life when you had to just sort of push through and like, it was like, well, I don't feel the delight right now, but I guess I, you know, what does a person do in that, in that position? Because I think there might be some people who are on the journey of discipleship and they're thinking, well, I'm going to wait until I have the feeling of delight. Oh, yeah, no. No. Uh, which, which means they might wait. They might be sitting on the couch not, a long it's time. It's not a feeling. It's a perspective. Right. Yes, it's a choice. It's a, yeah, it's, it's like mm-hmm. glasses God gives you to put on. Mm, yes. But, yes. You, but you, don't have to, so you have to pick them up and put them on. It's like, mm-hmm. anyway, you're, you're hitting on the right thing. So you're, yeah. you yeah. are a psychologist. Yeah. Well, and, and you mentioned in your sermon, it's not necessarily linear, some of these, you know, progressions. And I have a very fresh experience with that um, because middle school was not exactly what I was thinking was going to be on my horizon um, as the, the kids were getting, that I was had been serving with and were mm-hmm. getting to fifth grade. I was kind of thinking, hmm, maybe a break, um, <laughs> you know. Okay, maybe. bye. Have a, great, have a great life. Well, no, 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 no. I was actually thinking of passing the baton to people that were young and fresh and <laughs> and I was thinking they are so tired of Miss Jen they have seen Miss mm-hmm. Jen's face for too many years they're not going to want this old woman to come with them mm-hmm. into the cool teenage mm-hmm. space right and so but through some prayer and some encouragement I you know I, I prayed about it and I was like you know and, and then I asked the girls and they were like oh yeah Miss Jen please come with us mm-hmm. and and so I went and I was excited about it but then I got there and I was like oh this is a different world Oh snap! Yeah, snap, and and it was tough, and and I I, I was asking Kerrigan to pray for me. I was like, I'm in a little funk here, mm-hmm. you know. I'm 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 coming, but it's tough to get here, and it's not the same as mm-hmm. serving before. There's, and, a of, there's a lot of smells. Yes. There's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of smells. A lot of weird comments and awkward. I mean, yes. Oh, annoying, <laughs> annoying. Yes, um, but so fun too, right? Yeah. But but it just was that new thing, right? Like when you're stepping into anything new, you know, even if you've done it similarly with a different context, it's tough. Mm-hmm. And so there were some there were some Wednesdays and Sundays where I was like, okay, Lord, this is a choice. I love yeah. you, and and I'm I, I I thank you, God, for giving me this chance to mm-hmm. do this. But it it felt like duty for a minute, mm-hmm. and but but the, the obedience factor of mm-hmm. it just keep I kept on asking, and I was even. 
talking to my husband Hank, I was like, okay, we have to pray into this. I don't know if I don't know if the Lord's calling me to stay in this. You know, let's pray. And because mm-hmm. um, the delight's not there, where is it? And we prayed, and we just kept going and kept being obedient. The Lord just kept mm-hmm. on saying, nope, keep going, keep going. Mm-hmm. And so the delight came, mm-hmm. and it was. It, it, it's just that that obedience first, that choice right. first. That, you know, listening to the Lord first, following what, just do what He says to do. Mm-hmm. Just do the next thing. And and then the delight just came. And it was just like, the, you know, all of that sense of duty and sense of dread went away. Mm-hmm. And now it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah. We have it so backwards in our, in our world uh, in a couple of ways. One, we tend to think that if something is difficult, then God must not be mm-hmm. in it. Right. You know, we say, oh, man, this is just... Am I, Lord, am I, are you closing the door? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so a little spiritual way of saying like, I would like to get out of this now because it's really hard. Uh, and then the other thing is that we think that the thing that makes us happy is what we should go after right away. And even, even non, and that's not a biblical perspective and even non-Christian you know, authors and, and scholars are, are proving this, that the thing that you end up loving the most is something that you've been at a long time. Mm, yes. uh, there's a, one, of the, one of the guys I like to read has a, a book all about this, about how like a young generation is like pursuing, like uh, find your passion, like just really, you know, start a nonprofit and go change the world because I'm just so passionate about it, you know? And so many of, of, of these young people are just wandering from thing to thing to mm-hmm. thing to thing and finding themselves full of discontentment. And, when you actually do the surveys and the studies about what makes people happy, it's that you were able to push through that season of like, oh, this is difficult. I'm able to plow the ground and then see the fruit of it. And that's actually what gives the the long lasting satisfaction. And joy, just pure joy. That's true for the Christ follower. And that's where actually where Paul's going. Yes. In in Philippians 3, he gets into the strive, strain toward the goal. Mm. Yes, to the apricot. And, you know, it's both. both, Yeah. And, I, that's actually the next sermon I was supposed to preach. We'll see what happens. I have no right. idea what tomorrow's <laughs> going to hold. But I was when I was looking at the little, like, if I'd end up doing it, one of the things that I was studying was there's a survey done among believers that tracked more or less what is the most spiritually significant thing that's ever happened in your life. Hmm. The thing that moved the needle in your life, in your relationship yeah. with God more than anything. And almost unanimously was pain. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And 100%. the author that was sharing this, the findings, he said this line, and it was just like, I was like floored by it. And I was like, that, that's something in there. He says that, do you know why that is? Because pain redeemed is stronger than pain removed. Mm. Ooh, that's good. That's so good. That's so good. Hello, Apostle Paul. Yes, yes. Hello, purpose of the entire New Testament suffering and I mean Jesus's life. The question of like, why do we have why do we have sin if He ordained it before the foundation of the world? Because He decided that redeemed sinners are more glorifying to Him and. Than somebody who never experienced any pain, suffering, or sin. That's what he decided. Pain redeemed is stronger than pain removed. Hmm. And we live in a world that is screaming, do whatever you got to do to remove any kind of negative mm-hmm. feeling, any kind of mm-hmm. negative thought, any kind mm-hmm. of negative. Talk about the, the, the epidemic of, of 
yeah. struggling, anxieties and depressions. There's a million things going on in there. But mm-hmm. one of the things is, is that the microphone of the world is saying, stay as far away as you can from anything that's hard or, or, right. but instead of do hard things, mm-hmm. yes. do hard things and trust God every step of the way and, and plow the ground and stay at it, stay mm-hmm. at it, stay at a long obedience. One of the best books you'll ever read, a long obedience in the same direction as the call of the Christ follower. Mm-hmm. And, um, and man, I think we see that in Philippians. It's called the book of joy, but yet Epaphroditus is almost dying. Paul's in prison. Timothy's, you know, sick. He's mm-hmm. he ends up getting martyred. Mm-hmm. Timothy does. I mean, Fox's Book of Martyrs writes about Timothy that he challenges some pagans who are doing like idol and sex worship in the streets. He challenges them. They beat him to death. Mm-hmm. And history holds that he dies. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, and so we see it all the way through that 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 truth that pain mm-hmm. redeemed is stronger than pain removed. Not just in our own lives. But in the advancement of the gospel, the 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 the, the was, what does Jesus say to John the Baptist that the kingdom of heaven is forcefully advancing, mm-hmm. and forceful men and women lay hold of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That there is a straining, a striving, a pushing through of the people of God in this life, and mm-hmm. uh, it ain't it, it, it's not easy. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, his yoke is easy and his burden is light, mm-hmm. and he's done all the heavy lifting. Mm-hmm. So, so anyway, that's a good word. Yeah. Well, uh, we need to wrap up here, but one final thing about Epaphroditus. And I love this. I love that you mentioned that he was an ordinary guy, you know, and that he was like, hey, I'll, I'll sign up and do that. I'll endure some hardship. And one of the things that you started to say was, um, or you said was, that, in, that, that provides encouragement to folks who are doing just the everyday mundane tasks. And so um, how have you seen God at work in, in the everyday, the mundane, in surprising and redeeming, in redeeming ways? Yeah, I think it's just about being a worshiper. Like mm-hmm. that's what we are. We are just the beloved. And so mm-hmm. just doing life with the Lord and in the joy of the Lord mm-hmm. is it. And so I would say it's it's probably more extraordinary to live a mundane life full of joy than it is for the people that have all the things that make mm-hmm. life joyful. And that's like non-Christians and that's like Christians too. Mm-hmm. And so I almost um, have, you know, a little bit more respect for the person that just has an everyday nine to five who is like so on mm-hmm. fire for the Holy Spirit versus someone who might be off on the mission field. You just look at it different. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, well, you're doing cool things for the Lord. And so, of course, you're joyful. But mm-hmm. the person that sticks through it and yeah. the everyday boring, it's the same that, I mean, that just takes like, you love the Lord, period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think a mama's, you know, as a mama, mm. you know, it, it can get real mundane, mm. <laughs> you know? I mean, the diapers and the, the relentless, you know, just grind mm. of it all, you know, and you feel so unseen and, and, and yet the Lord sees. Mm-hmm. And it's so beautiful when when you can receive that, you know, affirmation from the Lord, like I see and this matters. And mm-hmm. if nobody sees any of that what you've done, mm-hmm. I see it. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's so rewarding because it's not about anybody else but our audience of one anyway. Mm-hmm. 
So it doesn't matter where we're at, what we're serving. You know, sometimes in kid world, you can feel pretty invisible, mm-hmm. you know, because you're just in in there, you know, doing your thing, you know. But um, but it is so seen by God, mm. and it's all equally important, you know. Yeah. And it's you know, regardless of you know what you're doing to serve the kingdom, you know, the Lord, you know, sees it the same, mm-hmm. and He appreciates it and smiles on it. And, right. Yeah. I, I just love. I love the analogy that we have through the Apostle Paul of the church as a body, you know, because you'd never be like, I don't need my freaking spleen. Who cares about the spleen? You know what I mean? But how, I don't even know what a spleen looks like. You know what I mean? I barely know where it is, you know, but we don't advise you Googling. It. No, no. <laughs> uh, but, you know, how, how prone are we to be like, I just want to be the face, you know, or look at the face, look at the face. The face is just gets all the action, you know, just looks at everybody, everybody sees the face, you know, but it's just one part, you know, and uh, we, we need all of it. And oh, to be content, you know, that's where the joy is too, right? Like uh, I had an experience that recently where it's like pre God showing me like you are, you are safe and secure in how I love you and where I have you. Certain other circumstances change, but there's anxiety on one end and then there's total peace on the other end. Mm-hmm. Just being able to be like, God, you got it, you know? What would your comments be about the mundane, maybe that you didn't say in the sermon or maybe that you did? Yeah, I think Epaphroditus' testimony and Paul's commending of him is mm-hmm. one, supernatural, and two, incredibly helpful mm-hmm. in the life of every everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like... Your life is ministry. Mm. Part of it you get paid for, you know, through a profession. Um, But your life as Mm -hmm. a follower of Jesus, you have been commissioned Mm -hmm. into the priesthood, into the ministry of reconciliation as an ambassador for Christ. Mm -hmm. And that's as a mom, as a dad, as a worker, as an employer, as a whatever, mm-hmm. in the, a coach or whatever. That's yeah. your life is that as an ambassador of Christ. And almost all of it goes unnoticed. Mm. And almost to a to a dangerous point, we live in a world where Christianity can be interpreted through the lens of microphones and lights when mm. all that really is is a medium mm. in the current context we live in by which to edify the body mm-hmm. through the preaching of the gospel and to equip the saints mm-hmm. for the work of ministry, which mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. the pastor's primary role. Right. And But it can become, to use your words earlier, a consumeristic yes. thing in a consumeristic culture um, which is very, very dangerous and unhealthy, and in no way the way that Pastor Joby leads this church or mm. or or the elders do at all. It's right. I've heard Pastor Joby say a thousand times, if I've heard him say once, like I'm just doing my part, mm-hmm. you're doing your part, they're doing together. Mm-hmm. We are doing this thing that God has called us to do, and I'm playing the role that I I play and. Mm. And so I think the the Epaphroditus' testimony is so meaningful and important because, mm-hmm. honestly, our church, and I know lots of local churches all around the world, but our church is filled with people who are worthy of commendation yeah. that are just like Epaphroditus that are at great expense to themselves emotionally and physically and financially, mm-hmm. putting themselves in positions to trust God 
as a part of this people. And that is really what the local church is about. Like Mm -hmm. the church is not primarily a place you attend. It is a people you belong to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You've been called unto a people Mm -hmm. and unto God himself through the local church. And so belonging implies and invites the giving of yourself, Mm -hmm. the pouring out of yourself for the greater Mm -hmm. good of the glory of God realized through the mm-hmm. the local church, and so, man, I'm I'm one. I'm really, for for lack of a better term, I'm very proud of our church. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I fired an email off today at two thirty that was like, I need everybody to email me back mm-hmm. a name, a point of service, and one sentence, and I couldn't get to one. They could have done hundreds and hundreds. And everybody sends me 10, and I couldn't get to a quarter of those mm-hmm. because our church is filled with folks who who genuinely are, are seeing the fruit of the Spirit of God's work in their life, love Jesus, and are discovering and deepening, yeah. disciple-making. And mm-hmm. so praise God for that, man, and praise God that God cared so much about the seemingly mundane, the unnoticed, mm. the that he would inspire Paul to write about Epaphroditus as a testimony to us thousands of years later. And so, and praise God for what he did then in them and what he's doing now in us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love, you know, anytime you're reading your, your Bible and you see these, these names here, I mean, you mentioned one, one reason why they're there is it tells us that this is a real man with real friends Mm -hmm. and it encourages us to, to do the same, like to dig in and have real relationships, you know? Mm -hmm. Also there's a, historical validity that it provides because the the hearers of this might have known some of the people that he often mentions or if you go back and you're trying to say well was this a real a real letter was it verifiable well you you could probably find all those names you know um i love that and so i love the i love your encouragement to to encourage others as often as possible you know and we're we're exhorted to do that um often i love i love this example um well, thank you, Kerrigan and Jen, for being with us mm-hmm. uh, for this. Um, uh, Pastor- not to interrupt, but I would commend both of you mm-hmm. for your work in the gospel. Amen. It has profound impact mm-hmm. in my house mm-hmm. and on our family. And it doesn't get, it's not lost on me as a dad mm-hmm. that um, I know there's Wednesdays and Sundays that you're just like, Okay. You know, Time for some duty. <laughs> you know what I mean? But um, you keep showing up, man. Yeah. And, Thank you. And I, 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 I'm thankful for you in, in Christ Jesus for sure. Mm. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's humbling because I, mm-hmm. I was Anna Catherine. And so I was at yes. this student ministry yes. at her age. Mm. And I had leaders. And, and being a leader, I mean, I weeped the first couple of weeks because I didn't realize what my leaders had given up for me and how mm-hmm. they loved me. Wow. And so it was like full circle. And so like now mm-hmm. I was being a sixth grade leader and I was like, whoa. And yeah. and that's what it's all about. Awesome. And so it's because other people go yeah. first and then it's mm-hmm. me and then one day it'll be Anna Catherine's turn. And yes, it's just, man. the Lord is so cool. Amen. Wow. Amen. Mm. Would you pray for us and pray for our church for friendships and disciple making and all the things. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the word that you have for us through the book of Philippians. We thank you for the Apostle Paul, for Timothy, for Epaphroditus. We thank you for the church, the Big C Church, your people. We thank you for our church here in Jacksonville in our little corner of the kingdom. 
Would you help us to make disciples in Jesus' name? Would you help us to receive and believe that we are loved by you, that our identity is rooted in you? And would you that compel us, control us in all the activity? And would you help us to make good plans to make disciples? Would you help us to be effective in it by the power of the Spirit? Would you help us to see generations transformed? Uh, I thank you for these ladies who are here with us. I thank you for my friend, Jonathan, my co-laborer in the gospel. I thank you that you have, you somehow in your goodness have called us, purposed us, gifted us to work on things you care about because it impacts people you care about and that you would use us. Who are we that you would be mindful of us? But you're not just mindful of us. You're actually wild about us. Mm-hmm. And um, that's pretty, uh, pretty unearthing. And we thank you for that. And, uh, most of all, I just thank you for Jesus. Yes. Thank you, Jesus, that you uh, are the ultimate uh, model. You're in you. We see the ultimate demonstration of love and of goodness and of uh, health and redemption. Mm. And uh, in your name, Jesus, I pray for my brother, uh, Pastor Joby, that he would mm. get to feeling better quickly. We're so thankful for him, for his ministry. We're so thankful for his impact on us. And we pray in Jesus' name that you would help us all to help each other love you and know that we're loved by you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast. The end. You nailed it.